Lord, uh, we do thank you for your grace in our lives. And, and God, the fact that we can know you is amazing. And I pray today as we look at uh, this section here where James is writing to uh, that group in his generation that, Lord, they just kind of got sidetracked and messed up. And Lord, it's not like from false teaching. They just got in that place where uh, we might say they started false living. And I pray that as he speaks to them and exhorts them and encourages them that, Lord, it would do the same for us. Some of us, we're, we're new believers. We're just starting out, and, and we need this information. Some of us have been believers for a long time, and we need this information. Some of us have got to that place, maybe where we've just become complacent and not caring about our relationship with you. And we need to hear that. So, so Lord, speak to all of us. Lord, no matter where we're at, and, and Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're able to do that. And we want to give you this time, God, and most of all, we want you to be glorified in it, and Lord, we want us, the saints, to be built up and edified in it. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, as we're going back and forth between James and Galatians, you know, Galatians, Paul's dealing mostly with false teachers, and we've been spending some time learning who he is and his authority and why he's doing what he's doing, and then on the other hand, no, James is dealing with false living. It's those who are in that place where some of them are just pretending to be Christians, and they're in that place, they just got the right language and things down, and then some of them have just come to that place where, where they're just coasting, they don't care, and, and James is exhorting them. So you have two different things, but we left off last time with Paul in Galatians, exhorting, or well, he was exhorted to take care of the poor. Now we're gonna shift to James and hear James say some of the same things, and, and only in a little bit different way. But I want to remind us, it's been a while since we've been in James, I want to remind us, James has been encouraging here in chapter one for the saints to grow up. That's the way I like to put it. Become mature. Hey, when you deal with trials, be mature about how you deal with trials. When you deal with temptation, be mature on how you deal with temptation. And now he's gonna, I believe, kind of give us the keys on how we can be mature, how we can grow up. You know, some people never grow up, right? That's what my wife tells me. You get older, but you never grow up. And, uh, you know, some of us are that way physically, but spiritually, it's not good. It's not good to think I'm always young and not growing up. And, and, you know, I always use this illustration. Hey, toddlers, I think toddlers are the funnest to be around. You know, that three, four, five age group, man, those guys, those guys have no inhibitions. They, don't, they, 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 they just don't care. They, they love on you. They're, they're great. And they tell you everything. That's the best part. They just like, man, they just spill the beans on the family. And, the, you know, moms and dads go, shh. And you go, just, we're not done yet. We're having a conversation here. But, then, you know, that's great. But when someone is 25, acting like a toddler, not cool. And here's what we know. Something's wrong. Something's definitely wrong. Then why as Christians do we accept a 25-year-old Christian acting like a toddler? 
And that's what James is talking about here. He's saying, come on, guys, grow up and get it together. So he's going to challenge us, I think, in some great ways about the word. And this is a perfect time because here at Calvary, we always encourage the first of the year, get the Bible reading schedule, go through, read the Bible in a year. But now we're going to find out it's more than just reading words on a page. And that's what James is challenging us. And again, how do you deal with temptations? Now, when we left off, well, back up to verse 18. And, and it kind of ties into verse 19. He says, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be, uh, might be a kind of first fruits of his creation. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So James starts out that we're born again by the word of God. And he comes in, we're born again. And then my translation says, so then, in verse 19, some of your translations say, therefore, which again, when you hear the therefore, you gotta ask what the therefore is there for, right? And can draw a conclusion about the fact that we're born again by his word. But here's what I love, and, and some translations say this, knowing this, knowing what? Knowing verse 18, knowing this, and then listen to what he says, my beloved brethren, because some people say James is harsh and, and, and cold and hard-hitting. James is blunt. He's matter-of-fact. He doesn't pull punches. He doesn't, he doesn't, you know, my wife always tells me when I talk to people if it's something bad to do the, the sandwich method. You know the sandwich method? Say something good, then tell them the bad news and say something good. I'm the baloney guy. You know, I'm just going for the meat, you know, and, and that's kind of James. James is not, he's not into the sandwich method. He's into, let's get down to the facts, but he does love these guys. And you know what? I think one of the greatest exhibitions of love or examples of love is when you tell someone the truth, even if that truth hurts. That's love, and that's what James is doing. So here he says, listen, my beloved brethren, and I love this. He says, he says, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak and slow to wrath. I think a lot of this portion of, of this section of scripture might be for me. I'm, I'm one, I'm a talker. I have talked all my life. When I, you know, I've shared with you guys, I used to be in the backseat of the car just yakking away. And my mom said, there's nobody back there. Who are you talking to? I said, just talking to me. I'm just talking. I, I got in trouble in school for talking all the time. I, you know, I, I know more corners of school rooms than any other person. You know, I mean, I was always, because yak, 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 yak. So when James says this, hey, it's speaking to me. You need to be slow. What does he say? You need to be swift to hear and slow to speak. That's a tough one. Listen to what some rabbis say. Here's a rabbi saying, men have two ears but one tongue, that they should hear more than they speak. Now this gets me. The ears are always open. Have you ever thought about that? Your ears are always open. Huh. He says the ears are always open, ever ready to receive instruction, but the tongue is surrounded with a double row of teeth to hedge it in and keep it within its proper bounds. That's a great saying, huh, from the rabbis. And hey, many of us could benefit from this. And here's the thing, think about trials and temptations, what James has been talking about. 
And in trials and temptations, hey, they hit us and emotions begin to, emotions come up and, and hey, you, you come up with, you have fear, you have self-pity, you have jealousy, you have, those kind of emotions begin to happen when, when, when those trials and those temptations come. And then sometimes we get in discussions, arguments. And here's what I found in my years of life. That person in the discussion that is calm, and listening has so much more valid things to say than the person that's talking and talking and talking and talking and talking. And James says, man, listen, be swift to hear. Hear what somebody has to say. And it, listen, he's talking, he, he's saying more than just, you know, just, you know, let it go in your ears. You need to listen to them and hear what they're saying, and then be slow to speak. And he says, and slow to wrath, because here's what I know, when I'm quick to speak, I'm quick to wrath. And that's never good, right? And then the veins pop out in your neck, some of us, the veins pop out on our forehead, and then, rah, and then it escalates into everything. And James says, hey, you need to be slow to do that, because the wrath, did you hear why? And verse 20 doesn't need a lot of explanation, because the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Well, duh. Right, when, hey, whenever I get angry and upset and I kind of explode, it never does, it never does good. Always does damage. And those are the times where you wish you could rewind life, right? Could I just hit the rewind button and not do that? And we're not given that, but we are given the ability to apologize. We are given the ability to admit when we've done that and, and recognize it and hopefully we grow and get better at not doing that. So he lays that out and then he goes a little bit further as he talks about this. And hey, I think, I think you know, I think verse 21 is the key to 19 and 20. Well, I think it's the key to everything he said so far. He says, therefore, again, drawing a conclusion, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. If we're going to be that people, if we're going to grow up and mature, there's things we got to get out of our life. There's things we have to remove. And for all of us, it's different. You know, here's the danger in that some of us, hey, something may be really a stumbling block for me and really bad for me, but not for you. And I don't have the right to tell you, you need to get that out of your life and vice versa, and, and we tend to do that. Or some of us, we just let all that junk grow and we don't mature as believers. Gardening. You guys, some of you have heard my gardening skills. <laughs> Lack thereof. Mostly about my fig tree. By the way, it's out. It's going out this winter. I'm done. I might find a new one, but that one's done. So just an announcement. We'll have a service for the fig tree. <laughs> but when you garden, what do you do when you garden? Hey, I've gardened, not successfully, but I've gardened. 
You gotta remove all the weeds, you gotta remove all the grass, you gotta prepare the soil, right? What do you do? You remove stuff, and what is James saying here? You gotta get stuff out. If you're gonna grow, you gotta remove the filthiness and, and, and the overflow of wickedness that is in you, and you gotta get rid of that stuff so that you can, with meekness, receive the word. What is he talking about there? You need to be a humble person and receive God's word. You need to approach your Bible reading like you're really gonna learn something that day. Like God is going to speak to you that day. And many of us, many of us, we're so busy talking to God, blah, 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 during our quiet time, and we never stop and listen to him. Now, I'm not saying he's gonna speak to you audibly. He may, I don't know. He's never spoken to me audibly, but he's spoken to me. I open up his word, and I begin to read it, and he speaks to me. And he guides me and he prepares me. And, and so here, with meekness, man, when was the last time you opened up your Bible expecting God to give you something for that day or that situation? And you open it up and you go, God, I know you have something for me. Even if you're following a Bible reading schedule and it's scheduled out, don't you know that, that God is gonna work those things in your life? And you open it up and you say, God, today I know you have something for me. That's how we should approach our Bible every time. And be that meek person ready to receive. Not that person, well, I'm doing the Bible reading. You know, this is my 500th time through the Bible. I don't think you've lived that long. But, but some of us do that. You know, I've read the Bible 45 times. And I hate to be crude, but whoopee dingo. <laughs> Come on, saints. Are you approaching it with meekness and humility? You see, that's a great thing about James. He challenges us. Now, listen, verse 22 goes a little bit further than just reading your Bible. Listen to what he says. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in, the, in a mirror. For he observes himself and then goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. So James uses an illustration that makes total sense, right? We, we get it. He says, hey, if you're just gonna read the word and go on about your day, it's not gonna do you any good. You don't just read to read. You read to receive, and then you begin to do the word. In other words, you begin to flesh out what you read, and you begin to let it take effect in your life. You don't just boast, hey, I read my 10 chapters today. And once again, are you approaching the Bible for your life to change? Are you approaching the Bible because Pat may hassle you about reading through the Bible in a year and you wanna make sure you get every, you know, every chapter in and get it done? Big difference. We need to be doers of the word. And he says, not deceiving ourselves. That's, you know, that's a huge one. You know, so, sometimes I tell you guys to underline things, but I, I want you to underline them, not just so you can underline them and say, I underline that, and that's underlined in my Bible. I want you to underline it so it impacts your life a little bit more. Not deceiving yourself. You see, because we are, we are great at deceiving ourselves. We're great at acting like, yeah, well, I got that together. And deep inside, man, the Holy Spirit comes and he says, you so don't, and then we fight that. Jeremiah tells us our heart is deceitfully wicked. 
And James, two times in this little section, is gonna say, stop deceiving yourselves. Why is he saying that? Because he was talking to a group of people who are deceiving themselves, thinking they're more spiritual than they really are, thinking they've gone someplace where they really haven't gone. And he wants to challenge them, man, and he wants them to come back. So, hey, don't deceive yourself. Don't just read your word and go, well, yeah, I'm doing fine. But he says, hey, you're deceiving yourself, and then uses that illustration. Again, I don't think it takes a lot of explanation, right? You get up in the morning and you look in the mirror and what do you do? I know what I do. I go, whoa, what happened? But we look in the mirror and we kind of fix the things we can fix, huh? There's some things that are not fixable, right? We look there and go, I wish I could fix that. But there's some, but we fix the things. Hopefully, we fix the things that can fix. Why? So we can go out into the world. And here he's saying, this is like a person who wakes up in the morning, looks in the mirror and goes, what a mess, and then walks away and forgets what he just saw. And then some of us are obsessed with mirrors. I love that. I love watching people. I, I, you know, that's one of my favorite hobbies is watching people. Gaynell gets annoyed. Why don't you talk to me? Because I'm watching, look over there. Look what's going on over there. We were having a conversation. I'm listening. I'm just watching them. And I love watching people, and my favorite is when people are so obsessed with mirrors that, you know, they get out of their car and they do this. <laughs> and even coming into church, they come into church and they walk by the cry room and they're going, not realizing there's people in the cry room going. <laughs> are you looking in the mirror and forgetting what you saw? Or do you adjust it? Well, we're not talking about mirrors. We're talking about the word. And when you're reading the word and the word definitely shows you something, are you willing to change? Are you willing to allow that to happen? Because that's what it's all about. Hey, I do want you to read through the Bible every year because I believe we need to understand who God is all the way from Genesis to Revelation and we need to have that full understanding of who he is but we also need a full understanding of who we are and I believe every time we open up our Bible God has something specific for us and you read that and you gotta either decide I'm gonna do that or I'm gonna ignore that and forget what I look like spiritually and James says hey you gotta go for it because if you don't you're in trouble, but here's the, here's the flip side, verse 25. He says, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, and this one will be blessed in what he does. Here's what I love, man. Paul's not telling us, hey, if you do this, you know, here's, here's a guarantee of salvation. Here's what he's talking about. Do you want to have a blessed life or an unblessed life? You wanna go through life struggling and striving and just like hanging on by your fingernails and, and everything, everything in life seems to get difficult. He says, you wanna be blessed? What do you do? You look into the, and, and I love what he says. What does he call it? He says, you look into the perfect law of liberty. Now you gotta remember, James is writing to people who only had the Old Testament. And here's what he's calling the Old Testament, something that brings liberty. And some of us might go, how does that bring liberty when there's all of these restrictions? Because sometimes restrictions give you the greatest liberty to be who you were created to be. When, whenever, whenever I start 
and read Genesis. I love reading. I love reading the creation account. I love reading Adam and Eve until the fall. And it blows my mind, God put them in a place and said, here, here's the best place you could live. Can you imagine getting the dream life? Here's what God says, here's the best place you can live. I made it specifically for you. Live here, enjoy it. Enjoy life, be fruitful and multiply. And so, you know, just, just be, be people who are alive. The only thing I ask is don't eat of that tree. Now here's what always cracks me up when people begin to describe the tree. Here's what some people say. That tree had to have the most luscious, beautiful, best tasting fruit ever, ever. And we don't even, and we try and mix it with all of the great fruits we love. And they say that. You know what that tells me? Your God that you've got in your mind is a mean, horrible God who wants to keep good from you. I personally believe that was like a rotten apple tree. God does, listen, saints, God doesn't keep good from us. And when we begin to believe that God tries to keep good from us, here's what we do. We look at the things he tells us and we find them and we think they're restricting us. And here's what James says. It's the law of liberty to set us free to be who we were intended to be. It depends on how you look at it. My God, here's what I know. My God is a good God. My God is a perfect God. And my God loves me and my God only wants good for me. He, yeah, he wants me to grow up like anyone. Wants their children to grow up and he wants me to mature. But he's a good God. He's not gonna restrict good things from me. He's gonna restrict things that are going to do me harm. And so James says, man, you look into that law of liberty, and when he says look there, you might circle that. He's saying you examine it. You don't just briefly go over it. You don't just casually read it. You don't get your 10 chapters in as quick as you can. But you look intently into the perfect law of liberty, and then you continue in it. And that's someone who, hey, I read it this morning. Now I'm going to do it all day long. And here's what happens. You get a blessed life. And man, if you've ever done that, you know what I'm talking about. And would to God we could do it perfectly, right? That would be great if we could do it all day, every day, perfectly, uh, you know. But man, here's what I love, man. He says and this one's gonna be blessed in what he does. I wanna be blessed in what I do. I wanna be encouraged. I don't think I'm a lot different than most of you. When I was growing up, I didn't like it when my dad took his belt off rapidly. That meant I'm gonna get a spanking. You know, still today, sometimes if I take my belt off too quick, I freak out. You hear that sound, oh no. And my dad wasn't abusive, I don't want you to think that. I know today some people, right now some people, oh my gosh, my dad was not abusive but he disciplined us. I don't like it when God's belt comes off. He's got to discipline me. I'm not perfect. I'm one of his kids. And he disciplines me. I don't like that. I want it to be blessed all the time. I want him, I want it, but I don't do that all the time. And thank God he does discipline us. What does Hebrews say? He disciplines his own. 
And so we know that. So, so listen, man, I want that blessed life. And then, and then he goes on here, James is saying, and if anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Twice, twice James brings up deception and both times what does it have to do with? The tongue. Oh, he's got a whole bunch more to say about the tongue, and we're just going to briefly talk about it. But, but here's what he's saying, and, and I know some people, some people get real uptight. Religion, we're not religious, right? How many times have you told people that? We're not religion, we're about a relationship. Saints, we're religious. We are. Religion, let me, let me read a definition I got, and this might make sense. Religion according to these words in the original language, religion is thus a comprehensive word for the specific ways in which a heart relationship to God is expressed in our lives. We're religious. Hey, we, we do baptisms. We come to the Lord's table. We come in, we do songs, we worship, we sing. Some of us raise our hands, some of us don't, but we lift up our hearts to the Lord. That's religion, and that's being religious. And, and hey, we even here have a system that we do. And, you know, I think it's okay. Some people go, oh. yeah, we do. You don't think about it. Hey, and I've been in some wild, crazy Pentecostal churches, and they have the same system. It's just different. Because they do, if you follow them. So, you know, some, some people say if craziness happens, that means you, you don't have a, a, a system. Yeah, you do. You have a time when craziness starts and a time when craziness ends. <laughs> I've been there. I've watched. I've observed. So don't get uptight that James is saying that, but here's what he's challenging us. He says, hey, if you think you're religious, if you think you really have heartfelt expression towards God, how's your tongue are you a complainer? Are you someone who, hey, the minute you go out those doors and get in that parking lot, you're telling somebody, you're not a church, you know, you know what Pat said? I can't believe he would say those things. You know that worship music? That wasn't very good. They could have played this song, but they didn't play it. Watch your tongue. If you're that negative person and you're pulling people down or gossip. Hmm. I know a person who was pretty caught up in gossip often. And I remember challenging them, and here's what they told me. Well, you know, that's just the way I am. I go, no, that's sin. No, it's just the way I am. And that's where James here is saying, stop deceiving yourself. Quit deceiving yourself and begin to get control, especially of your tongue. It's interesting that he brought that up. John Wesley, I was reading some stuff, John Wesley, and I don't, I don't read a whole bunch about John Wesley because he was like the maniac preacher of all preachers. John Wesley would like teach or preach, you know, six times a day, ride horseback. I mean, he did, he did like 1080, you know, 180 million sermons. He was a machine but he was teaching one time and a lady came up after the service and said, I don't like your bow tie. <laughs> and he said, really? And she says, yeah, it's the, the tails are too long. And he goes, okay, does anybody have scissors? And someone brought some scissors. He goes, here, trim it to where you would like it. And she spent some time and trimmed it all up. And he says, now is that to your liking? And she said, yes. And he goes, okay, madam, now I have something to tell you. I don't like your tongue, it's too long. 
Anybody got scissors? How great, he, he, I think he had a little Calvary Chapel in him, huh? Another, another person came up to him and said, you know, I ha- God just gave me the gift of speaking my mind. And here's what he said, that is one gift you should bury. Right? So think about, think about us. Think about, think about the excuses we make when we do things that we shouldn't really be doing. And hey, I'm not saying we shouldn't challenge each other and, and you know, come to each other when, when we don't like something. Sure, we should do that. And we should discuss it. But we should be discussing it with people who can do something about it. And we should be talking to one another. So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just, just that person who just always is doing that. Or, or you get caught up in that gossip and you listen to things about people that may not be true. It always breaks my heart when I hear somebody say something about somebody over here that, you know, hey, don't tell me. I tell them, don't tell me. Why don't you want to hear you protecting them? I said, no, if, it's, if you weren't personally involved and you haven't discussed it with them, then don't tell me. And if you have, you and I, when we're done with this conversation, we're going to go talk to them. That person who struggled with gossip said something to me about somebody one day. So I went to the person that they talked about. I said, hey, here's what I heard about you. Is it true? And they said, who told you? I told them. Ooh, they were mad. How dare you go and repeat what I said? I'm just taking what you said and taking it to the person you said it about. If it wasn't true, shouldn't have been saying it. So James is telling you and I, watch your tongue, bridle your tongue, do not deceive your own heart. If you're doing those things, listen carefully. Your religion is worthless. It's doing you no good. This pretense of Christianity is doing you no good if that's who you are. And then the other challenge, that's a negative, here's the positive. Look at verse 27, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble. So he gives us number one, here's what we need to do. We need to take care of people who cannot take care of themselves. Do you have that heart? Do you have God's heart for the world out there that's so messed up and so backwards? And we talked about it last week when we were talking about Galatians. Hey, when he's talking about taking care of orphans and widows, it's not just materially. Are we taking care of people spiritually? Are you and I involved in witnessing to the world that's, you know, lots of us spend a lot of time complaining about the world, and I would be one of those. I don't like what's going on. I don't like what's happening. I think our world is messed up in so many ways. But what am I doing to change it? My Bible tells me that I can change the world one heart at a time by bringing people to Jesus. And so taking care of those orphans and widows might be simply just, hey, just doing that. Now, I think as a church, we do some good things. But I'm talking about us as individuals. What are we doing? How are you, how are you in that area? Because James here, man, he kind of slams us with that, right? He says, hey, are you visiting orphans and widows? And then, and then here's the big one. Are you keeping yourself unspotted from the world? That's hard, isn't it? My Bible says we're, supposed to, we're in this world. And we're supposed to be involved in this world. But we're not of this world. 
Do you ever wonder why if you read your Bible faithfully and start doing your Bible faithfully and start walking that way, do you ever wonder why you see things differently than other people? I mean, sometimes I think, why can't they see that? It's so clear. We were even talking this morning before church, a couple of us were talking about, you know, hey, this is so clear in Scripture. Why can't you see that? Because they're blind. And you and I now have an opportunity to open their eyes. But I have to be careful that I don't let them change me. Don't get, don't get messed up by the world. Again, don't buy into the world system. He's not, and listen carefully. He's not telling you and I we need to cloister ourselves off and live in little communes, our little Christian communes, and make sure nobody that doesn't know Jesus is not allowed in. That's called heaven. We'll get there soon enough. In this world, we need to be careful. I almost did that. When I first got saved, me and a, a couple other families, Gaynell and I and a couple other families, were gonna buy this piece of property east of Douglas in the middle of nowhere and cloister ourselves off. That would have done, what good would have that done the world? Yeah. I'm so glad God is big. He goes, Pat, that ain't never gonna happen. So listen carefully, but we have to make sure we're not spotted by the world. And again, something may, something may defile me and bug me. And that's for me to deal with. And something that's gonna spot me up. Something that's you may spot you up. I, I don't like it when I hear pastors or teachers say, here's, here's a list that you have to get rid of in your life. Here it is. Brrrm. It's different for everybody. So here's what I'm telling you. Don't let those things mess you up. Stay unspotted. It's kind of like when you're in a race, a foot race, and someone's sloshing through the mud. Go around the mud. Don't let them kick mud all over you. It's silly. And go that way. So here's our challenge as I read this. We need to be people who zip it a whole bunch and then we need to be people, though, we're involved and we're reading our word, but greater than that, we're doing our word. And by doing our word, there's gonna be a practical, listen, there's gonna be a practical outworking of the things that he challenged us here at the end. We are gonna be reaching the widows and the orphans, and, and I just translate that of people who have real needs, real needs, who are helpless, and then also, we're gonna keep ourselves pure. We're gonna be like arm deep into the world, but it's not gonna influence us. That's what James is concerned about. Why is he concerned about it? Because just the opposite is happening to the group of people he's writing to. So let's be people, once again today, you heard the teaching, don't go out those doors and forget everything that was just said. Because then you're like that funky person in the mirror and you got the bed head going on and you got nasty stuff and now you're going out there and you look like Pfft. Let the word change you. Let's stand up and pray.